feature presentation. Welcome back to another Untitled TIFF 23 review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside he's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Matt, it's day four of the 48th annual Toronto International Film Festival. I feel like uh, I'm coughing up a lung. You seem to be a little bit better than you were the day before. Yeah, if you listened to our reviews from yesterday, you probably heard that Eric and I were a little bit under the weather. It's not COVID. We tested. We wanted to make sure that uh, we weren't out and about if it was that. We just kind of have a like the TIFF cold or a TIFF flu or something like yeah. that. Um, Tiffitis. But I'm feeling okay. I managed to power through uh, a couple movies yesterday, and we have a couple more today. And already seen uh, one. Uh, you've seen two today, Yes, uh, right? Dream Scenario and Memory. Which we will have reviews for later in the festival. But today uh, we are reviewing, I believe, what was your most anticipated film of the festival, uh, Jonathan Glazer's The Zone of Interest. Yes, and Matt, there's not going to be a lot of comedy in this one. This is going to be no, a very yeah. serious discussion. But I have good taste, and I know when things are going to be good. Yes, when you anticipate something, you know it's going to be good. And um, I'll be the first to admit, I'm not a Jonathan Glazer guy. I hadn't really watched any of his movies before. I remember when Under the Skin premiered at TIFF almost 10 years ago now, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, I've just never really gone and watched any of his stuff. But um, like with what I talked about with the Vin Vendors uh, review as well, being like I always go in with an open mind and want to try uh, new filmmakers. Not that they're new filmmakers, but they are new to me. Um, so I was excited for this because you were excited for it. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy to also say that I thought it was absolutely excellent. Yes. Um, it's not just one of the best films. Uh, it is the best film of the year. Um, but I think it's also the most important film of the early 2020s. And I think it's also going to recontextualize and give us a bit of pause for thought in how the Hollywood system and the independent system betray atrocities like the Holocaust yeah. on film, in television, in media moving forward. Because this is a movie that will chill you to the bone and it also makes you sick to your stomach but it does so in such a removed form and style there's there there is very much contemporary filmmaking within the movie that i was think i think i was most surprised by that and i don't want to give anything away there right but this is loosely and i mean loosely based on martin amos's novel um the british author actually passed away a couple days after um the premiere of the film at the Cannes film festival and like under the skin jonathan glazer is known to um really kind of change the narrative structure as he goes along. So what it starts out in pre-production isn't necessarily what it becomes in post or the final film. And he does take a long time to edit his movies and shape them. And in the book, it's sort of a, a, a love triangle, three perspective storyline between a commandant, uh, his wife and a Jewish prisoner. In this, this is just about a family living this idyllic, kind of almost sound of music esque yeah. beautiful life in Poland right next to Auschwitz. And it is one of the most disturbing movies you'll ever see. And partly because it's showing you how much of an inconvenience 
uh, Auschwitz is to this family because it's always from their perspective as they're going through their day, entertaining their children, um, you know, getting ready for uh, business uh, associates to come in and inspect uh, new aspects of the facility and that facility being uh, ovens. And it is some of the most disturbing talk because it's done in a way that is mundane like and normal or like a normal family life when all this horrific stuff's happening in the background yeah yeah and it's just unflinching in terms of how it handles it but it's so static and composed in such a kind of flat way but deliberately so because yeah. um lucas zoll who's the cinematographer on this has worked with Paolo Palakowski before on both Ida and Cold War. And he also, uh, not too long ago, shot Charlie Kaufman's I'm Thinking of Ending Things. When you look at those movies, those movies are lush and romanticize certain eras or, or have a, a, a more distinct style to them. This is cold and clinical and keeps you at an arm's length, mm -hmm. but you still feel the impact of what Glazer is trying to convey on the screen about, you know, the apathy and inhumanity of people, you know, these are these are human beings that are doing horrible things. Yeah. They're not supernatural forces or monsters because if you call the Nazis monsters, you give them more power and credit than they deserve. If you call them human beings, you can hold them accountable. And look for at the what, horrific things that they did. And I think for that, what they did. That's the exact quote I was going to bring up because you said that after off air when we were talking about the movie. Uh, right after we saw it, and I think that's such a kind of a, a brilliant way of putting it because, um, yeah, you could have so easily, and in many other movies, uh, they do treat the Nazis like kind of a movie villain, right? Whenever you have to kind of, not necessarily sensationalize, but kind of movie-fy what happened, you kind of have this layer where it doesn't feel like reality, where this movie plays it uh, exactly how it was, exactly how it is, shows that these people we're just people yeah. and this was uh, his job and this was their life and they just go about their day like, you know, my, you know, I would be with, with my wife at home, but they have the same arguments they had. They're taking care of their kids. They have birthday parties. And while all of this stuff is happening in the background and, and how Glazer uh, kind of captures that, uh, of that, it's always just in the background. It's never kind of showing you the horrors rather than just hearing knowing. it yeah hearing it is uh, the sound design is is wild um but even throughout the thing it never kind of has to you know do the classic movie thing of uh, of of being gratuitous or exploitative or um having to spoon feed you any of the information it's all just happening in the background or uh how uh the mother that visits like how she reacts to the whole situation and it's just giving you all these kind of context clues and 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 i mean it's just it was mesmerizing to watch um it's both stylish and subtle um and not saying that the style again going back to um being kind of sensationalizing all of this like i think it, it's style without being disrespectful either like I, I feel like it adds to the unsettling nature of the film and um it, it was just uh yeah it is i think i'm i'm with you thinking it's if not the best movie of the year one of them for sure it's a work of heart a yeah. work of art and an important um contribution a tough watch to too, humanity but, yeah. i think in terms of how we view a subject as 
serious and important um, as this and, and treat it with the respect and dignity it deserves for all the men and women mm-hmm. that were destroyed because yeah. of what these horrible human beings did and what we lost because of it. And the way that it's shown is it's just it's more graphic than actually seeing showing it, yeah. It because you know it's there and you know that these people it's so cavalier too, right? And yeah. I think the cavalier nature of of this family yeah. is what makes it even more disturbing and and gut wrenching. Well, you, you know, uh, Sandra Uller, who we talked about and praised with uh, Anatomy of Murder, plays the commandant's wife. Anatomy and of Fall. Anatomy of Fall. See, I keep doing. I I keep <laughs> wanting to call it the Jimmy Stewart movie. Yeah, it's Anatomy right. of a Fall, where you know she has a moment where she's talking to her husband. They have uh, split beds, and they're kind of side by side about going back to Italy for a vacation and, you know, wanting to, to have some time off. And that conversation, you know, the way that she talks about that, it's just like, okay, well, you know, you're living right next door to this monstrosity that is happening and all you care about is being pampered. And so, you know, part of your, your mindset is that these people knew what they were doing and even if they didn't necessarily agree with hitler they were yeah. taking advantage of the benefits that they were being given yeah. and it's not necessarily simply like fear of you know being locked away or something like but that they it's knew like, if they joined it that they could succeed in life yeah exactly it, yeah. exactly you're taking advantage of the system so you're as guilty as anyone else who is as hateful and and grotesque in in that way and so you know, you, you mentioned we we're talking about the sound design. I feel that that is such an important aspect of this movie because the beginning of the film opens with this, you know, just shot of black. And it almost feels like you're in a um, compression tank in a way that it's getting you ready mm-hmm. for what you're going to experience where you hear both kind of a bit of a, a classical score and yeah, kind of like an overture with yeah. a black screen but like and, and composer mika levy yeah. um the score is sparse but when it's used it's very effective and she kind of came composer mika levy kind of came into her own with jonathan glazer with under the skin that was kind of her first kind of big score that she did right right and so with this when you hear some of the the choral um, uh, vocal aspects of the, the screaming with mixed with the, the sound design and the score, it is so jarring and off putting, but at the same time, it isn't afraid to um, confront the audience with it in a way that kind of just feels like, okay, we're, we're going to show you as much as you need to see, but you know, we're not going to deliberately go past that mm-hmm. wall, you know, the Garden of Eden, so to speak, that they've created in their home. Like there's this amazing tracking shot of of them walking yeah. from the front of their house to the, to the back in the garden. So, yeah. And then they're talking about how, you know, they wanted the vines to go higher so they could block Cover out the, wall the images. And like, that's where you know that these people yeah. are truly horrible human beings and guilty of what they know what they're doing. And yeah. and and the and the movie like you know, we we talk about this. Filmmakers talk about this. Actors talk about this. That it's, you know, you have to be non-judgmental when you're making a movie and try to show it for what it is. And yeah, the movie the movie's not advocating for this. I think that this might be something that becomes almost like yes. accidental discourse. Yeah, I agree. Because even my wife, even before seeing this movie, I, I described it to her, and she went, "Why would why would I want to watch that? Like, and it's like, well, no, you don't really want to watch it, but like." I still think it's important to watch, and I think the way that it's portrayed, it it never 
sympathizes with them or anything, obviously, but no. like it really. Um, and Glazer is a Jewish man and he's yeah. making sure that like you can tell that there is so much thought in this film that he has probably thought about every version oh, of this absolutely. movie he could have made. And the version that he has made, I think, is the best version and, of this. And, I, and it goes back to your quote about, you know, not saying that they are monsters, but not treating them like these you know, supernatural. How could anyone do this? It's like, no, people did fucking do this. This yeah. is how they acted. It was just their life. It was his just his job. There's a scene in the movie um, with, uh, you know, a husband and wife fighting, and it happens to be over, you know, oh, I'm getting transferred to the new office, essentially, is what yeah. it is. And it's like, well, I don't want to move. I like my life here. And it's just like, and it seems like that, where it is, goes back to that cavalier nature, where it's just, oh, this is just normal life for us that makes it, 10 times more horrific than if it was something a little bit more cartoony because Nazis can get kind of cartoony in certain movies. Yeah, caricatures in a, in a, yeah. or, you know, the stereotypical low-hanging fruit villains of any piece because, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to say that they're the bad guys, but you have to take into account the, what they did, the, what, real the, the perpetrations of, of yeah. what they were capable of. And, and, and we've seen, you know, recently movies like Son of Saul, you know, deal with the, the kind of perspective of, um, you know, one Jewish man struggles in a concentration camp and how kind of intense and in your face it is throughout the, the runtime of time of that movie. But then you also look at something like more recently, the look of silence and uh, the act of killing the yeah. Joshua Oppenheimer uh, documentary right, yeah. films about uh, the Indonesian genocide and how, you know, the act of killing specifically focuses on one man who was responsible for killing thousands, if not, you know, a million people, or at least had some sort of um, contribution in, in killing all these people and him kind of thinking he's a movie star and that delusion of yeah. grandeur because he is in power. But then, you know, when you watch a movie like that and you see, you know, what this guy is gloating about or talking about or carrying on about... It, it makes you sick to your stomach and this movie does something very similar and i think it, it it does something at the end of the film that both works within the context of the movie but also works within sort of how you feel by the end of yeah you know watching something like this which is a, a lot and i and i think it is a lot it's it, not once it, you watch it though i think I think you'll be okay. I think it's just totally. kind of building. It's it's psychologically you, building yourself yes, up to it. Yes. I still think the movie is um it's not an easy watch, but I think that style does help you through it. And I think from a filmmaking, especially people who are interested in that, like I think the stylistic choices um, uh, keep it from being, it's still a devastating watch, but you yeah. know what I mean? Kind of like uh, it always keeps it interesting in the sense that it's not just this, this fucking like, Oh my God, this is the hardest thing to watch in the world. It is. It's not very gratuitous. Much. Yeah. But it's those stylistic choices throughout with some like infrared, um, like night vision cinematography. Some, uh, uh, you know, we talked about the overture and the black screen at the beginning. And some of these things will be grading to uh, others as well. But like for me, it, it was those stylistic choices that were never gratuitous um, that I felt like added to it being uncomfortable, but also kept you engaged in, in the entire thing without it just being like, too much it is a lot and it's devastating by the end yeah but there was never one point where i'm like uh, like i i was like i can't take this anymore which yeah. i wanted to keep watching and i want because i do think it's important much like you said at the beginning as well um 
but I was constantly impressed with the actual filmmaking as well. The the subtlety in just showing everything in the backgrounds and just the the cavalier nature to the whole family, and then these kind of very strange uh, choices when it comes to style and in, when to insert style and when to insert uh, color or, or a, a red screen and and you know that opening that is it starts off in a very uncomfortable way with the, just a a black screen you might think something's wrong and the projector hasn't started or anything right because i just yeah. don't think these are certain things that people are used to uh, i guess like a it's, it's not a popcorn movie it's not a cineplex movie right like it's no. not a, a multiplex movie it'll be very interesting to see unsuspe unsuspecting people um go into it um but it's I not even a typical prepared, uh, an awards movie like no. i like i think like it's it, don't get me wrong i think it's worthy of awards yeah but I don't think like you can just kind of trivialize it just down no. to that simplistic, oh, it should win or be nominated for these things. I think looking at something like this, you have to look at it as a work that is trying to reckon with how do you approach material like this? How do you talk and discuss yeah. within the language of film the Holocaust? How do yeah. you talk about genocide? How do you do that without it becoming exploitative or a, a gimmick or a way to you know like the, the joke's always been like you, you make a holocaust movie you know you win an oscar like that ricky jarvis line and, and yeah. extras and and that's all it also made me mad at a movie like you know the reader with kate winslet where like yeah. the way that that's handled it's just like it's it's grotesque in comparison and um glazer is one of those guys that he's not a prolific filmmaker he's only made yeah. four films to date but He's done a ton of music. But he videos, takes his time. Commercials. Too, right? yeah. He he has a lot of style. Like you watch Sexy Beast, Earth, yeah. Under the Skin, this. You, I think you, I would like his stuff, like after watching yeah. this. But this is more this restrained. Is like, but there right. but but it's more it, it's more strategic in terms of how it, when it decides to kind of add those those flourishes. And like even there's this one shot of of this boardroom meeting where it's this bird yeah. eye view. But it looks like it's almost like shot on like a um, a wide angle lens or like yeah. a, or a GoPro camera, and it just it's such a odd kind of slightly off putting, but not like in a. I mean, it's off putting in in one way that it's it's gross seeing these guys talk about this yeah, stuff. Yeah, and it but feels it's like a board but, meeting. <laughs> but, but but it's off putting in in terms of like it doesn't look right. Like the framing of it doesn't look like what you would expect. Right. Yeah. Uh, a World War Two. Nazi movie, Nazi movie yeah. to look like and that's where like some of that contemporary aspect is coming in you know you mentioned yeah. the night vision uh, as well yeah. and, and and like that stuff and, and even just the way that we do see you know those little touches here and there but it's so controlled and and and, and strategic about how it's yeah. handling it and and thoughtful I think again like that's the word like Glazer is a guy that is very much a style over substance person but um here it really does feel like he's 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 taken the time to really create something that is worth having a discussion like this or to really make you rethink how you feel about the betrayal in cinema of of something as horrific like that because we talk about this a lot too where like you know you go to see a movie that's a, a world war ii film or any movie that's a historical piece where people <laughs> die yeah, and sometimes those movies are called entertainment. Yeah, and it's such a hard thing to kind of just simply call. You know, not even I'm not even necessarily considering like you know the, the obvious comparisons to like something like Schindler's List, but like mm -hmm. you look at something like even like Dunkirk. Yeah, you know, Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious Bastards. Uh, 
you know, like even even Vietnam movies, like you look at something like uh, Full Metal Jacket, you know, like there's there's all these eras of filmmakers that have, have had a hand in either making World War Two movies, World War One yeah. or, 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 or war. And and some are more everybody's different, but it just feels like this finally kind of is making a statement on how this probably should be handled yeah. in, in a lot of ways. And um, it does make you want to go back and watch some of those other movies. Cause I love *Inglorious bastards, but so do I, I, yeah. I hate the reader. Um, yeah. I, you know, the, the, like even with Lee, we'll talk about that soon. You know, having, after watching this, like in, in, in yeah. watching Lee, it kind of makes you feel like, okay, you know, you got to go back to the drawing board and how you portray. And even things. though that's portraying a real person and, and using her real Photographs, that which she, it's the artistic choices yeah, that I the agree. filmmaker takes. Where this is a, uh, it, I mean, it's probably based on a lot of research, but it is a fictional family, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it is historical fiction, but these whole these things did happen, and 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 I, Auschwitz I, was yeah. real. So, <laughs> yes, it's know. just like so. Uh, I think there is an interesting juxtaposition there between something like Lee that we saw last night, which is quote unquote, you know, real. Yeah. Um, but how that's handled versus what this is handled. It's interesting seeing them so close together. It's as such well, a stark the, contrast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the movie's phenomenal. Uh, it's going to be a tough watch. Um, I, I do think you should go see this. You've got to be in the right headspace. You've got to be in the right mood. Know that it is... Uh, I, I, I think anyone listening to this will know what to expect with this movie, but it's not a movie I can suggest to everyone. Like... Um, and I think you have to go in with an open mind and know it's going to be a little abstract. It's going to be uh, quiet. You're going to think not much is happening. But if you look at the subtext and what's going on in the background, there's so much. And then that style is really uh, amazing as well. Uh, the performances are good, too. We didn't really talk about you. You brought up um, Sandra Uller. Sandra Uller, who's great. But the lead actor in this, I think, uh, is fantastic. Christian Fidel, who was actually also in one of his first movies was Michael Hanukkah's um, The White Ribbon, yeah. which was about the children um, in this small village who would grow up to become the Nazis in World okay. War II. Um, and also just thinking about that, the way that, that Michael Hanukkah talked about Schindler's List and how you portray the Holocaust, because he was asked, would you ever you know, make a movie about that? And there was a Hollywood uh, reporter uh, discussion, and it was like Judd Apatow and John Krasinski were there. and, and <laughs> Because it was the year Amor was, was yeah, um, yeah. being nominated for a lot of awards. And... Um, he said the one movie that he felt did it justice was uh, uh, *Night in Fog*, and I think to add to that would be *The Zone of Interest*. So cool. Um, it is a masterpiece, and and I agree with what you're saying, like in terms of um, prompting people or preparing yeah. them in terms of like what to expect. But I also want to say that because the filmmaking is extraordinary, I think once you're watching the movie, it is such a great film that. You'll you'll be able to stick with it, and you'll be I able think, to. I think, but I also think when you throw it to a more uh, regular audience, I just. But how I many? Don't. How many? I know this is probably going to be a platform release, yeah. but I also feel like this is the not, people who are going to see it will yeah. probably know what they're going to get, sort of right? Yeah. Like, because like I've already talked to a couple people around the festival, and you know, um, uh, and someone was just like. They really didn't like it because I don't think they knew what they were getting into, right? And uh, so I, I can already see that a little bit, but it will—it's a neon. No, uh, 
824. My bad. We saw so many neon movies before the festival. Uh, 824 and then um, Elevation Pictures in Canada. Yeah. And also what I think is really respectful about both um, studios is that their logos aren't their typical logos. Yeah, just silent at yeah. the beginning. But uh, I'm going to give it a 5 out of 5. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, it's a 5 out of 5. Again, masterpiece. It's It's the best film of this year and really the first important movie of the early 2020s and i think this is going to be a movie we'll be talking about for the rest of cinematic like this is this is truly a a a, a watershed moment for for cinema in in terms of how you handle such horrors and um it's a fantastic movie i agree uh please go check out our other reviews which are right here on untitled movie reviews um we have stuff like the boy and the heron um uh, perfect days perfect days swan song thank you eric thank uh, you days of happiness uh, dicks the musical dicks the musical um, and other things so uh one-stop shop for everything head over to letterbox which is now updated so you can get all of our reviews thank and you, uh and stuff over there so if you're looking for anything we're doing just hop over there but i mean it's really just going to send you to podcast services which if you're listening to this you're already in the right spot so go back and listen to you're already in stuff. the zone um you can follow me on all those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. Uh, and I think that's uh, it on my end. Yeah, I'm Eric Marchin. You can follow me on all the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. The film opens on December 8th. See the zone of interest. <laughs>